Well, you're at the game and it's Friday night and you want to make sure that the calls are right. This is high school football rules. There's a hole in a fumble and an illegal pass. Now, what do you do? Cause you're the raffle. This is high school football rules. Well, sit on down and kick right back. You're going to listen to Luke and Matt. They're talking high school football rules. They're talking high school football rules. Okay, welcome to High School Football Rules, the podcast where we talk about the NFHS football rules. High school football, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, again, if you want to know a little bit about me, I'm Matt. And my brother Luke, who are doing this podcast, go to the Zero episode and you'll learn a little bit about us. But again, we want to talk only about high school rules. We're not going to talk about anything with college. We're not going to talk about anything with pros unless it's warranted, but we're not going to be those guys that are comparing it. We are going through, we're halfway through the rules about, but we are going to go, just as a reminder, we're going through, you will hear every single rule that is in the NFHS rule book, at least three through 10. I'll give you that. Ready to dive into it, Luke? You bet. All right. We're on rule seven, snapping, handling, and passing the ball. 7-1, before the snap. Article one states, the snapper may be over the ball, but his feet must be behind the neutral zone, and no part of his person other than a hand on the ball may be beyond the foremost point of the ball. Now, right away, somebody's going to say, but his helmet goes over the top of it, right? And so... In theory, your helmet's not supposed to be in front of that ball. I know snap, definitely no snappers who have their head way over the front of that. But again, we're not going to get too technical, are we? Yeah, and again, what advantage are they gaining if they're essentially going to be getting off balance the further they stick their head out? So this is just saying so you can't take your other hand and have it in advance of the ball. Um, your hand that's on the ball is supposed to be the furthest thing out. And if they're that far leaning over, they're probably it's probably a run play. So as a defender, <laughs> if they're right. leaning over it, they're probably giving it away anyways that it's a run play. That's so right. yeah. All right. Article two. The snapper may lift the ball for lateral rotation, but may not rotate end for end or change the location or fail to keep the long axis of the ball at right angles to the line of scrimmage. All right. Technically can't do all this stuff, but man, you're gonna get centers that just do whatever they want, spin it, rotate it, flip it, whatever. But And as long as they're not being uh, too crazy with it, I mean, it's just a part of the game. Yeah, right? and, and really, the it's you know I was an umpire before becoming a, a referee or a white hat, and uh, it seems like within the first series or two, a, a center that's particular about it will tell you, hey, keep with the laces this way or that way. You know, you try to accommodate them, but again, this is just a preference thing, so he makes sure he gets the ball up to his quarterback. So not, not the biggest ticky-tack thing to... To focus in on. Okay. Article three. Following the ready for play and after touching the ball, the snapper shall not A, remove both hands from the ball. So that's one hand or both hands, right? Correct, yeah. So they grab the ball, they they get into position. They may not remove their hand. B make any movement that simulates a snap. This is a little bit of a gray area, but it's one of those things you know it when you know it, right? I mean, you can tell when they either uh, they they lost count of the snap crown, right? So it was on two. They tried, oh, geez, one, oh, but, you know, go, but, uh, you know, you know it when you know it. C, fail to clearly pause before the snap. I don't know if that's ever really possible. I suppose, it, you know, snap infraction if you just get up and instantly pull it back. 
Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit. There, there's this whole thing about having the whole team set for a second, like all together for one second. So uh, this would be very hard to do anyway, but it's just they can't. The last thing they do, they can't just put their hand directly on it and move it back. Yeah. And D, following adjustment, lift or move the ball other than in a legal snap. Again, fairly obvious. Uh, you you may come across some 16, 17, 18-year-old kids who just don't know better or they just, you know, they're, they're not trying to do anything. So maybe it would be my recommendation on the first or second time, especially if nobody jumps or if they're not, like, uh, you know, simulating a snap or anything like that, just tell them, hey, keep the ball on the ground, buddy, yeah, the, you know, things like that. This, so. The one that happens the most often is that Article A, which is remove his hands from the ball. Uh, I, I try to use the three-strike rule on this one. So if he does it, usually this is something accidental. He doesn't get what he's doing. First time he does it, say, hey, you can't take your hands off when you put it down. When it's a habit of theirs, they almost and secondly have a second one. And uh, next time that he goes to the sideline, I'll try to tell him and his coach, say, hey, he's doing this, he can't do it. Then you've set the expectation. So if it does happen a third time, you've warned him, he warned his coach, the flag comes out after you give him a chance to correct it. Yep. Article four. And again, I would even say that if if the defense isn't being drawn off or nobody's nothing's happening because they're doing it, I mean, again, there, there does come a point, but you know, work with them, work with them, work with them. Our job is not to be flag happy and try to find fouls. Our, our job, in my opinion, is to help 16, 17, 18-year-old kids work through in a very emotional sport where they're trying to bash each other's brains in. Not really, but you know what I mean. It's a physical sport. so Correct. Well, and, and honestly, that's, I, you know, we don't want to be flag happy, but one of the ways you learn things, again, is once he gets that flag thrown for taking his hands off the ball, well, then he really kind of remembers that time. So yeah. you try to coach him through it so there doesn't cause a yardage penalty, but in all honesty, uh, sometimes the flag's the best way for him to learn. Article 4, an illegal snap or other snap infraction causes the ball to remain dead. Fairly obvious. Yeah, we talked about it in starting and stopping the clock, but it's like, Officially, the snap has occurred, but since there's a foul coming, we don't want any time to come off the clock. It's considered a dead ball foul, even though we kind of moved the ball. So, yeah, it's yeah. just reinforcing that. So if they do snap it, but it is a snap infraction, one or two or three seconds probably came off because the timer doesn't know it's a snap infraction. If it's the second quarter in a no-nonsense game, I mean, don't worry about it, but uh, come down to the fourth quarter, end of a half, something like that, it may come into play that you need to add three seconds back. But, again, you don't need to get too technical here. Um, situational football. Article 5, no player other than the snapper shall encroach on the neutral zone after the ball is ready for play by touching the ball or an opponent or by being in the neutral zone to give defensive signals. Yeah, so this is, uh, in high school, we talked about encroachment. The defense just can't get to the neutral zone at all. Um, there's no, uh, I guess, I, we try not to talk about other codes, but this is a big fundamental difference between the other two in high school. There's no, he's in and he can jump back, or he's in and he makes somebody move. The second that that defender enters the neutral zone in high school football, we have a foul. They can't do it whatsoever. He has the ability, if he's lined up, he has the ability to come back. I think is the best way to say it, right? Uh, Particularly is, if you've got like D-backs. Yeah. This is preventative officiating. So we will try to make them legal. If they, you know, maybe they think that they're doing press coverage and the receiver they're up against is like off the line and they didn't realize yep. they were going too close. That will try to mm-hmm. say, hey, back up a step. But uh, when it's like interior lineman right around the ball, this is their, they got too close. We don't even let the play start. Um, 
And yeah. again, the same. So if a snap is imminent, right? If a snap is imminent, like if I, I'm thinking specifically as a line of scrimmage official, you see a D end who's got his helmet. I mean, he's clearly offsides. He's clearly encroaching, right? I mean, at some point you have to decide when to when to throw that flag. Um, I wouldn't do it while the team is still in the huddle, right? The offense is still in the huddle and he's lined up there. It's when the snap is imminent. Don't let the play get off, and you could tell that it's and he's not going to move back. That's when you throw the flag. And but there's, I mean, there's degrees to this too. So if it's you know, do you have to put a a playing card you know across his helmet to see he's in the neutral zone? Those are the ones we're going to talk to him. Hey, you're too close. Can you ask your end to you know back up the next play? But if he's clearly just like his arm is all the way in or something, we don't let the play happen. When the snap's imminent, it's a good way to put it because. Anything we can do to get him back before that starts, we'll try to do to make it so we don't have to stop the game. Yeah. Our grandma, Grandma Lois, if she can see it from the 13th row up in the stands, then we throw the flag. But if not, let's try to work with them. Yeah, she's got good eyes, Definitely. though. you got to be careful. I hear you. <laughs> um, all right. Article 6. Following the ready-for-play, and after the snapper has placed his hand or hands on the ball, encroachment occurs if, A, any other player breaks the plane of the neutral zone, Offense or defense, any other player. A, B, a defensive player makes contact with the ball prior to the end of the snap. Or C, a defensive player makes contact with the hands or arms of the snapper prior to the snapper releasing the ball. Now, I will admit, I did not know this. You know, the old, you're going to swipe that ball before it gets snapped. You cannot, as a defensive player, you cannot swipe that ball because the snap has not been completed correct correct am, I saying, am yeah, I saying that correct that's correct and, and the way the spot you really see this isn't on normal scrimmage plays it's that end of the game they're about to take a knee thing they're trying to force a fumble in some way so you have every player there on the defensive line that nose guard can't see that the or like hear the hut thing and then try to like whap the ball before it comes out that's a foul on him because he has not allowed the snapper the ability to to finish the snap that's encroachment so yeah so in high school you can't do that quick swipe by the nose guard. You have to allow that center to get the ball up there. All right, encroachment. Article 7, after the ball is ready for play and before the snap begins, no false start shall be made by any A player. So that's the, that's the offense. It is a false start if A, a shift or feigned charge simulates action at the snap. B, an act is clearly intended to cause B to encroach, and C, any A player, any offensive player, on his side between the snapper and the player on the end of his line, after having placed a hand or hands on or near the ground, moves his hand or hands or makes any quick movement. I'll let you take this one, yeah. and I'll fill it in if I need to, but sure. this is, uh, there's a lot here. Yeah, and th- this is really, there's, uh, there's a lot of people who try to use deception to cause a... Uh, encroachment by the defense so this is covering acts that are not common to the way people are doing things um, some examples of that it's third down and four so a five-bear penalty gives somebody a first down and normally the team breaks the huddle team a the offense breaks the huddle they go up line they get lined up and they put their hands down they get ready to go well just for some reason on on this third down play they go up they kind of have their hands on their knees and then you know you get the quarterback to say set and they all put their hands down very quickly it's kind of a an unnatural thing, especially compared to what they had been doing. Um, that is an act that has, isn't legal in any other way, but you're doing it specifically because you want the defense to react, like uh, like the like the snaps coming off. That that quick downward movement is simulating 
the start of a player just being deceptive. Uh, so that that's the like... act. Yeah, the act is clearly intended to cause B to encroach. Correct. That's what they're. That's the whole point of doing that. Yep. But continue. Yep. Sorry. So so that's like the scrimmage play one that we see all the time is that you know the arms dart down or they they try to run up quick and then you know maybe go all kind of get set real quick or something like that. The other spot we see it quite a bit is on now uh, scrimmage kick plays. So um, on fourth down, we have, we're in a scrimmage kick formation. The guys are all kind of standing at the line and then, you know, snap being imminent, ball's about to go. And all of a sudden someone will go shift. And then all the guys kind of go out to the left and right. You know, they, they make it like it's uh, a shift or a removement. Well, when they were kind of set and they make this, this shift movement, that's intended to try to get the defense to react because they were ready to play, but now they're they're moving left and right. Uh, so the, those tricky things with lining up and then moving to confuse the defense actually does cause uh, a foul that you can't use quick movements and simulations of the snap to, to cause them to react. I would say the obvious ones are the ones where, you know, for, th- for three quarters, Punt has done the exact same thing. Get up there, ready, set. Everybody's just on their knees. They're looking straight ahead. You know, snapper snaps it, punt the ball, punt the ball, punt the ball. Then fourth down, tight game. All of a sudden they need it. They go set, ready, you know, again or something. And then everyone puts their hands down, you know, just to get them. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're baiting them into it, right? And so that's one where it's clear it's encroachment. It's, or, uh, it's encroachment. So it's, it's, it's a false start is what it is. They, they're trying to okay. get them to encroach. So they commit a false start by that deceptive nature. Um, the other thing is, you know, it's fourth and 10. They're not going to do this stuff. It's when it's that fourth and that five yard penalty gets them across yep. the line for a first down. That's really where they see it. And, it, you know, real savvy. This is something to pregame. You know, if you know a team does it, uh, but real savvy line of scrimmage guys, they'll come up with a false start right away from it. Right. They know what that defense was doing. This yep. rule covers us that you can't deceive with, quick motions like that yeah our white hat the white hat of my crew takes immediate control of that and just says nope you know like that's you know we're not doing that and stuff like that i would say that uh you know third or fourth game of the season and everybody's got video now everybody sees huddle you know you get the savvy coach he says what you watch on punt you watch they're gonna do this you know like coaches know to look for it as well and they try to tell their guys but again you're dealing with 16 and 17 year old kids who just want to play hard and look good for the fans and stuff like that. Mom's in the crowd cheering hard and things like that. And so they just, they just don't have the ability to hold back. And so this is one where, you know, that special teams coach is going, yes, we practice it all week long. Yeah. We got them. And you need to go, sorry, man, you got to move back five and kick it again. You can't do it. Yep. Knowing that it's a, it's a false start because you're using it to deceive that, that ends the conversation. Yeah. The shift is tough. The shift is a tough, it really is a tough one, especially if they bunched in and then they decided to go like spread out or something like that. Like that's a real tough one. And I would say that if nobody jumps off sides, if there is, if the defense doesn't come off sides, even, or on the quick, on the quick thing, I mean, don't blow it unless, don't throw a flag unless it causes encroachment. Correct. If that makes sense, yeah. right? I mean, you can go up and tell the coach and after the play is over, like, coach, if that caused encroachment, I mean, if you want to, you know, we would have to throw a flag on that. But, um, yeah, if it doesn't cause encroachment, don't throw the flag. Yeah. That'd be my suggestion. Well, and again, they, they understand the fact that maybe five yards backwards doesn't mean too much to their punt play. Five yards forward mm-hmm. means a first down. So it's one of those things they're gambling, hoping to maybe catch us off guard or, or just see if people actually understand the rule. At least uh, this should cover you if you didn't. Yep. Article 8, if a false start causes B, the defense, to encroach, only the false start is penalized. 
Yeah. We just talked about that. Well, it's, it's a little bit there, and it just means that if they both do it, they're both dead ball fouls efficiently, but you don't offset them for any reason. The false start was the first yeah. thing. You don't put it on both of them. Yeah. Article 9, no defensive player shall use disconcerting acts or words prior to the snap in an attempt to interfere with A's signal or movements. Yeah, this was a change. This, uh, I guess if you have been around the rules for a bit, this used to be an unsportsmanlike act. It used to be a 15-yard penalty. What, uh, what, the, what they're talking about here is if a linebacker is going hot or hike or something, trying to get that lineman yeah, to... Somebody's, somebody's barking. You got, you, got the, you got the nose guard barking or something, oh, trying to disrupt everything. Or a lot of teams use that clap now, right? So if they clap or something, trying to throw yep. off the timing of, of that offense, this is now considered a 5 yard foul, and disconcerting acts is the, the term we use for it. So you say, dead ball foul, disconcerting act, five-yard penalty. It's got its own thing and everything. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. All right. 7-2, formation, position, numbering, and action at the snap. Article 1 states that after the ready for play, each player of A who participated in the previous down and each substitute for A must have been momentarily between the nine-yard marks before the snap. Explain the nine-yard marks for everybody just so they've got it. Yeah, I mean, this comes up in uh, Rule 1. So uh, the field is marked in a certain way. Uh, in, in high school football, Those uh, the big yard markers, so the 10, the 20, the 30, those are roughly, the top of those is roughly nine yards from the uh, sideline so well we, if, they, if they're doing the field correctly it, it's exactly nine yards right correct. i mean that's that's kind of the whole thing so, so that's it's even one of those things now where, where they've got grass fields if they don't have that those numbers i mean i've seen like when this rule came in i've seen just a spray painted number out there not, approximately nine yards because they're like well we got to get the field proper and you know it wasn't so yeah so yeah. so that, right, that go ahead. that's our landmark as officials to say whether or not someone has actually entered the field of play the big thing this is the reason we have this rule in there, uh, you can't have someone like look like they're going off the field and then they, you know, during the play and then all of a sudden they kind of just hang out, you know, right on the sideline to say that they're going to be a part of the next play. They have to have at least been within those numbers uh, at some point before, you know, with the ready for play active. Hey, yeah, it doesn't say they all have to be. It just has to be. So it's not like all 11 have to be in a huddle inside of that, you know, nine. That just says that they have to momentarily be in there. So if the play ends, I'm just trying to, you know, think of the best way to game this system. If the play ends, right, and you know that it's going to be like, hey, third down, we don't get third down. We're going deep on fourth down here. You know, we're going to do our secret play. So that receiver out there was on, was in on third down. He kind of starts, he pauses at the nine, starts walking like he's getting off, but then just hangs out. He never leaves the field. I mean, he's he's good, right? I mean, he can still there. He didn't leave the field. It's it's a little deception, but you have to say. So you're talking about like when he and his teammates are is kind of the, the conversation we're talking about. As long as each individual player has been within the nine yard marks, we don't care. It doesn't say they all have to be there. Then they can move out. Um, the other thing is this doesn't say the nine yard mark towards your sideline. They could have a design play, and again, you have to be ready for this kind of stuff, where maybe they run into the opponent's sideline. The ball carrier comes out and someone kind of hangs out over there. Anyone that went over in that side zone or into the uh, out-of-bounds area, they also have to come back within the nine yards. So it's just a way to clean up who's playing the next play and who's not. They have to at least 
kind of, I don't know, it's almost like if you're playing uh, three-on-three basketball, you have to check up outside the three-point line. We're using the same concept here. You have to be at least within the numbers so that we don't confuse who's coming in and out for substitutions. Article 2, the player on each side of and next to the snapper may lock legs with the snapper, but any other A lineman must have each foot outside the closest foot of the player next to him at the snap. A's players may stand, crouch, or kneel. Yeah. Go ahead and explain that one. Quick. Yeah, it's just uh, there was old you know, field goal kicking formations and stuff where every lineman crisscrossed. This is just saying you have to be the guards, essentially, are the only ones who can crisscross with the center. After that, yeah. So, so crisscross. You're saying basically, if I'm if I'm the left center, think of it, or I'm the left guard, and I'm, the center's next to me. My right foot crosses over the center's left foot, so that my inst- inside of my right foot is facing the inside of his left foot. And so, you know, they're essentially locking legs. That's what it's called. Yeah, and and it'd be a, the purpose of it is to try to reduce the ability to have a gap there for people to yep. to block and push through. So we allow it with long snapper, well, with centers. And the guys next to him, but uh, the people next to the guards, the tackles, tight ends, anyone else that's on the line that's doing that, they can't interlock their legs. Yeah, this one, and I, I guess I never thought about this, but it says a A's players may kneel. I don't know if I've ever seen linemen get up and kneel. I don't know. No, ever seen that? I have not seen linemen yeah. kneel either. It's kind of weird, but technically they can kneel. Yeah, and we will talk when we go back to the definitions in Rule Two. Uh, they can't. They, linemen have to, they're like, their, their shoulders have to be parallel to the line, excuse me here, they have to be, yeah, parallel to the line of scrimmage. So you also can't be like standing sideways or some other restrictions that if you're a lineman, you have to be looking forward. So the Neil thinks one I've never seen before. Uh, every once in a while someone gets creative with like on punts, how the linemen like stand. But uh, there's some stuff we'll talk about, like what makes you a lineman when we get back to the definition stuff. Yeah. There's also weird things like trick plays with the linemen. If he's going to do the old Statue of Liberty, he has to turn his shoulders completely around. To, you know, it's, it's coming in the handling rules when we get in there in a okay. second. Okay. All right. Um, Article 3. Of the players of A, so the offense, who are not on their line at the snap, only one may penetrate the vertical plane through the waistline of his nearest teammate who is on his line. He must have his hands in position to receive the ball if it is snapped between the snapper's legs but he is not required to receive the snap. Any other players must be in legal position as a back. Yep. So we're talking through definition stuff a little bit again here, but the main thing this is trying to cover, if you've ever had a conversation with a coach that has a, a wing back, an H back, that type of position, and he's in something that we call no man's land, where he's off the line of scrimmage, but he's kind of still half penetrating the, the, the lineman's hips and stuff, that, that's not allowed. You can't be halfway between. You have to either be a lineman or a back. The one player who can kind of do that halfway between thing is a quarterback, the guy ready to get the ball from the snapper. Just because of where he's standing to get the ball, he's kind of already in that position. The wings and H's have to either be like a step off or a lineman. You, you can't be ambiguous. Yep. This, I mean, this this is a tricky point, and I think this is a point of emphasis. point of emphasis this year for the NFHSF to NFHS rulebook to have clearly defined these, I'm on the line or I'm off the line. So we'll get into that when we talk about the, uh, you know, the points of emphasis for this year, but this is a point of emphasis to make sure that, you know, if you've got a tight end who's off, that he's off, right? I mean, you've got a tight end who's, both of them are legal, 
but you're not trying to there's no trickery involved. There one's on, one's off. There's no ambiguity whatsoever. Correct. Article four, a snap shall be such that the ball immediately leaves the hand or hands of a snapper and touches a back or the ground before it touches a line in a lineman. A scrimmage down must start with a legal snap. An illegal snap causes the ball to remain dead. Yeah, so uh, I guess the, the old-timey play that people may know is called a butt hut, where a snapper hikes the ball but then just kind of leaves it sitting on his butt and then a running back or someone else comes and grabs it. Meanwhile, the quarterback is faking another play or something. Uh, well, that's illegal. You have to let go of the ball. They can't hold it in their hand. One continuous motion, they have to release it. Article 5. Player formation and numbering requirements include A. No more than four A players may be backs, and only one A player may penetrate the vertical plane through the waistline of his nearest teammate who is on his line, as in 7-2-3, and B. At the snap, at least five A players on their line of scrimmage must be numbered 50 through 79. And we'll talk about that. We'll get to the exceptions. Correct. Uh, well, so... Uh... Big thing here is they, they changed. Uh, that used to be that you had to have seven linemen. Now they say you can't have more than four backs. You know, if you have five backs, that's a problem. So it's just because if you have ten players out there, there people were getting dinged by having six linemen and four backs, even though that's kind of still now it's legal. It wasn't back in the old code. So this wording is just about making sure. Yeah, I guess you can't have more people in the backfield. You know, eleven people on the field, you can't have. Five in the backfield is the, the, the real reason behind this one. Yeah, and the easy thing, you know, if you're a line of scrimmage official, you are counting to make sure that you've got the right number of players on the line. But I think the easiest thing to do is count the number of players that are off the line, as this is stating. You know, you can either count seven on the line, you count receivers down through the line or whatever, but it's so much easier to count. I got the quarterback, two running backs, and one receiver that's off the line. There's my four. You know, so I've got that's the easiest thing. If you've got five back there, well, then you know to – Throw your flag and is, do you throw that right? Nope, you don't throw that. The play continues. You let that play go because they always have the ability to become to go onto the line. So that that play goes right. It, it does, and then if the uh, if there was a fumble or interception, you can decline it. So that's a live ball foul. Um, usually, both line of scrimmage guys would throw this. I mean, there's some communications uh, for people who aren't officials uh, with like they're telling whether their receivers off or on. If both guys are saying there's five in the backfield, they both should be throwing a flag at the snap. Um, and then that play does continue on. Say this in ninth grade, 10th grade, JV, less than varsity games. This is all, this always is an issue. You know, it's always an issue. You always have receivers who are never going to get the ball thrown to them uh, where there's five in the backfield. Absolutely work with those coaches and that kid to get on. Because one, he's probably not getting the ball thrown to him anyways. It's just a formation thing. They're not trying to game the system or or get an advantage, tell the coach, tell the player, move up. I think you're off, you know, and it'll, it'll go so far if you're working with those sophomore coaches who are just trying to get their kids to line up right. right so right. And work if the, with kids as much as you can. And if the, you have, like, two wide receivers and you can see a blade of grass between them, you know, maybe they both seem like they're, like, on the line, but just help them make it legal. Talk to the coach, say, hey, yep. these guys need to get a little space. Or that guy at least has to be off the line a little bit more. But – uh Again, what advantage are they gaining? N- nothing really. They're just they're learning. We're trying to help them learn. Uh, don't be too picky on that t- kind of thing. Yeah. All right. So, so numbering exceptions. So we said 
At least five A players on their line of scrimmage must be numbered 50 through 79. 70 Exceptions. One, on first, second, or third down, when A sets or shifts into a scrimmage kick formation, as in 214-2A, we'll get to that, the snapper may be a player numbered 1 through 49 or 80 through 99. So it could be any number. First, second, third down. If Team A has the snapper in the game under this exception, Team A shall have four players wearing numbers 50 through 79 on its line of scrimmage. The snapper in the game under this exception must be between the ends and is an ineligible forward pass receiver during that down unless the pass is touched by B. Yeah. Talk so, about that quick. Yeah, sure. So uh, this is uh, kind of talk about so We talk about regular plays. You have to have five lineman numbers. Uh, one thing I guess that Again, when people bring in the other code information, hey, can can you have someone who's got a bad number report as eligible or some other weird thing like that? No. High school, you have to have five lineman numbers. It's a requirement. Uh, now, you talked about JV and ninth grade stuff. Sometimes they just don't have the right number of jerseys, right? So I'm not talking about that. But varsity, you need to have five, 50 through 79. Now, if it's first through third down, the only way you get away with not having five guys, 50 through 79, is if the snapper is the numbering exception. So this is pointing out how you can have four. One thing we can do is we could still have, maybe we'll take up a, a tight end position with a number 50 through 79. Then you're not using this exception anymore. So some of these rules they put around where the snapper has to be is specific to you not using uh, five players with those numbers. Did I go too quick? Does that make sense why I'm saying that? Because if, uh, if, no. if you had 50 through 79 players... Let's just say we had five of them, and then you had yep. a long snapper with a eligible number. He can now be at the end of the line and some other goofy things. It's just when you take one of those five guys out and you replace them with one of the normal numbers, uh, then he has yep. to be the snapper between the, end, the ends of the line. Okay. Exception two to this. So that's all first, second, third down. Exception two is on fourth down. During a kick try, when A sets or shifts into a scrimmage kick formation, field goal, punts, field goal or punts. Yeah. That's what we're talking about, or a try. Um, any A player numbered 1 through 49 or 80 through 99 may, or 50 through 79, so 1 to 99, may take the position of any A player numbered 50 through 79. A player in the game, under this exception, must assume an initial position on his line of scrimmage between the ends, and he remains an ineligible forward pass receiver during that down unless the pass is touched by B. Yeah. So, again, a lot to unpack with how well, the way they describe this thing here. So, again, what is this an exception to? The requirement to have five people, 50 through 79, that you would have on normal plays. If it's fourth down... Any number, you know, it's not four and one like we talked about with one through three. Now it's any number. We could have all 11 players be non-50 through 79, non-lineman numbers in that case. Um, so if that's the case, when they line up and when that snapper puts his hands on the ball, so they've taken a position, they now can't do anything to, like, shift and expose one of those guys to now be eligible. When, when they are established as a numbering exception, they remain that throughout the entire down. The only time they could ever touch or catch a pass or some other type of play would be if B touched the ball first. Then kind of all rules are off for A touching it. So I can see this where you've got, let's just say you've got number two is a tackle, number three is the guard, number four is the center, number five is the guard, number six is the tackle, right? 
and all of a sudden you've got number two is going to shift over, and now we've got an unbalanced play, so now you've got tackle-tackle on the right side. Well, that number three was the guard. He's technically on the end of the line. Technically, he's got the number three. He's any other play but this. He's a, an eligible receiver. But because this is a fourth down scrimmage kick, they've lined up this way, he does not get to buy his way back into being an eligible receiver. Correct. Does that make sense? That is correct. Okay. Yep. And the big All thing right. is, player. F- well, here, well, before we move on, so yep. first first or third downs, you can't do that. Fourth down is when you can even yep. have everybody be it. That's a, a differentiator between the two exceptions. Okay. Um, but it says fourth down during a try, a kick try, when A sets or shifts into a scrimmage kick formation. So it says I mean, or, if you've or, got a, on fourth down or during a kick try. Or, gotcha, gotcha. So these are the ones that we, you know, sometimes people's field goal units just have ineligible numbers yep. in there, right? We talk about player number 38 on the bench, uh, 38 as far as like his talent level on the team. He gets in on all these special teams plays. Um, if they try to kick a field goal and it's second down, so end of half situation, clock's close to being out. If they put their normal field goal unit in and they have more than one number exception, that's a foul. It's it's one I, I personally okay. don't think would be a great one to call. But technically, so we got so yeah, I want to unpack this. So end of the game, they've got this. Hey, we're always kicking. We're always kicking with two, three, four, five, and six as our linemen, right? That's how we're always kicking our field goals. Well, now it's the end of the game. Uh, They're down at the end. Time's about to run out. It's second down on the clock. They technically can't have two, three, four, five, and six, right? And this is one of those things where it sickens you. You're showing them how smart you are, but by rule, they can't. The only person who can be a numbering exception is the long snapper. It's a goofy thing. It's a corner case, but man, would you yeah. hate to kick it and get it wrong too? This is a goofy one. So this says on fourth down or during a kick try when a sets or shifts into a scrimmage kick formation. What's the difference between one and two here? Like on a second down, on first, second, or third down when a sets or shifts into a scrimmage kick formation. Yeah, so so field goals that are on first, or during second, a kick third. try. I'm sorry. During so we're talking a kick try is a is a try is after a field goal Correct. or after a touchdown. I'm after sorry. a touchdown. Yep. So that's a try. Gotcha. Yeah, that's okay. why that's why I'm saying it's uh it's more normal for people to have these fourth down or field goal units to have multiple bad numbers yeah. interior linemen. Yeah. And if it's f- first, second, or third down, it's a problem. Now again, what happens? You don't like. I don't know. The other team doesn't get the ball. There's no loss of down or anything associated with it. You would move back five, and they'd have to fix it, and we'd have to go through yep. this conversation with them. But it's uh, yeah, it's not one. Well, I like. and this, I mean, this is this is one of those things too, where nobody, at least it's been in my experience, right? We don't talk about this. We don't pregame this. We or we talk about it once and say, oh yeah, that's an easy one to get, right? We'll remember that. But then you don't talk about it, and then all of a sudden it pops up in this big game, and it's second down, and the other coach is over there yelling, "Hey, hey, that's illegal," you know, and like. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. We're going to let this kick, and then we figure it out you know, later that we got it wrong. So, yeah, the, it, it's an important one, and we've taken a lot of time here talking about it, but that's only because I know how many times we've probably messed this up. you know. And, again, is anybody trying to hurt anybody? No, but it's usually because they're just that's what their field goal team is. You know, you say, field goal, and they all run out there. So, Yep. And, again, we talked about having all five there. You can't have two numbers. You can't have the the long snapper and one other guy, which is probably yeah. more normal than having, you know, a bunch of wide receivers as your yeah. linemen on kicks. That would be more normal. You are correct there. 
All right, we got two more here on Article 5. Player formation and numbering requirements include C, players of the same team shall not participate during the same down while wearing identical numbers. This is popping up in college all the time where you've got a receiver number two and a D-back number two, but I just I don't think it happens in high school unless you're at some huge school or something like that. I don't know if I've seen it. Have you yeah, seen no, that? That's the case. It's, it's when teams have big enough benches where they just they have more than 99 players. Yeah. yeah. Or or maybe a JV kid got moved up for the week, and for some reason he plays defense, the other guy's offense, and then on a special teams play, that's the one where they always seem to happen in special teams. They're filling in, or they're both on the same unit, and it's just you can't have two yeah. number twos playing at the same time. And work with teams. If they put a number a taped number one over it, you know, so the guy's from 70 to 71, just allow it. They're not trying to fool anything. Tell them to fix it next week so they don't have to go through it. Uh, D says B players may be anywhere on or behind their line of scrimmage. I mean, that's pretty basic, but it's just setting the – they can be 50 yards, 60 yards back if they want to be things like that. So Correct. They, they don't have to have four on. They can have everybody be safeties if they want yeah. to. Yeah. Article 6, after a huddle or shift, all players of A shall come to an absolute stop and shall remain stationary simultaneously without movement of hands, feet, head, or body for at least one second before the snap. Now, this is tricky because nobody's got a stopwatch out there to say, nope, that was one, you know, that kind of, that was, that was one full second kind of a thing. But, you know, it's, it's more the intent, you got to have something. It's not just a simultaneous and then go. They have to remain still. Yeah, and there's, there's kind of two points I like to talk about on this one. So, this usually you want everyone to be set before like a player goes in motion is kind of the ones where sometimes the wide receivers are still going out to the left side and then someone from the right side starts in motion. That's where you get it most often. The other one that comes up is when time is of the essence. This doesn't say for one second with the clock running or once the ball's put in play. So if we have a situation where maybe we just had a penalty or we just made a first down, they get up on the line. They can be set before the white or before the white hat blows the whistle in. It's not one second of um, uh, ball ready for play time. It's just one second. It's it's just so that they're not, you know, running in a full motion. They're not, I guess, trying to start or something. So that that does the the how when you're pause and how long is one that people kind of get wrong every once in a while. Like, well, no time came off. They had to wait for a second, and no, it's just a second before they snap it. Okay. Article 7, only one A player, this is offense we're talking about, one A player may be in motion at the snap, and then only if such motion is not toward his opponent's goal line. This isn't Canadian football. You can't run at it. It's not uh, arena football. If you're moving at the snap, you can be parallel or going backwards, but you can't be moving towards the other team. Okay, now pay attention to this one because this one – I don't know if this one ever gets called, but except for the player under the snapper, that's the quarterback typically is what we're talking about here, as outlined in Article 3, the player in motion shall be at least five yards behind his line of scrimmage at the snap if he started from any position not clearly behind the line and did not establish himself as a back by stopping for at least one full second while no part of his body is breaking the vertical plane through the waistline of his nearest teammate who is on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, uh, so most of the time what we'll see before someone goes in motion is they'll, they'll shift, he'll step back, someone else usually steps on to make his, uh, his uh, shift legal, he'll pause for a second, and then that guy will go. 
Uh, apparently, this is saying that if you are on the line, you can shift legally, but you have to end up five yards in the backfield. So, again, I think corner case, I haven't seen anybody from the line of scrimmage end up five yards if they go in motion. Usually, they're supposed to be off. Um, but uh, I guess according to rule here, we just we, as long as they go far enough back, they're good. Well, isn't the saying, though, the, the player in motion shall be at least five yards behind his line of scrimmage at the snap if he started from any position not clearly behind the line and did not establish himself as a back. So he can go in motion if you're on the line, but you got I mean, you have to essentially work your way back to being five yards back. Yeah, Is that what the, it's saying? Yeah, think about a wide receiver that does a motion for like a reverse. If he starts it before they actually snap the ball, he would have to get to be at least five yards back. I don't, I've never seen anybody do that. They usually step yeah. back and do some other kind of motion, jet motion, you know, going yep. out, whatever. But that, that five-yard thing is unique. I, I guess I just never have actually seen a player do that. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Article 8, any A player on his line of scrimmage may not advance a planned loose ball in the vicinity of the snapper. So that we talked about butt huts aren't a legal thing. One other play you could have is, I think they called this one in Little Giants the annexation of Puerto Rico, right? So they, they snap the ball. The quarterback could put it down on the ground right away. So we've had a legal snap. The ball, they put it on the ground so it's a loose ball on purpose, and then a lineman or someone would pick it up. That's illegal now. You can't, you can't do trickery with a planned loose ball is essentially what this is saying. And is this the one where it used to be? Or maybe we're talking about it here. Coming up, where the linemen have to turn their their shoulders, is that that's, a, that's up? a different play about what allows you to hand it to a lineman. Um, okay. This is, I mean, a lineman could pick this up. It, it, right now, what this is saying is, if you snap it to the uh, quarterback, he puts it on the ground. That's illegal because the planned well, loose if ball. He, if he did it on purpose, a planned loose ball yeah. play, right? So yeah, we're not saying a fumble or a muff or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yep. Again, you're gonna have to make the judgment that it was planned, and again, you'll know it when you see it. Well, and again, that if you think about the play, he'll snap it, he'll put it down, he'll go on and fake and run one way. Some lineman or tight end or something will go pick up the ball and go the other way. So it's it's a tactic or it's a you know misdirection, but uh, it's yeah. And this is probably a good time to remind you know, flags don't have to come right when a penalty happens, right? I mean, you've got intentional grounding. We'll talk about all this stuff. This could absolutely be a play. You throw this thing five minutes later when you sit down to talk about it, you know, all of a sudden, like you probably should see it, obviously. But, you know, but if somebody all of a sudden you got a new umpire or something, and he's like, well, that was a plan, loose ball play. Nobody else saw it or something. You know, like you could you could throw this before the next, you know, stop the clock, stop the play clock, all this. You're talking with your crew. I mean, you don't have to throw flags. Football, which was it's it's great part about football, different than basketball. You and I both do basketball as well. You know, for most of these penalties, I mean, you could throw flags really late as long as you know you've got them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and this one, I mean, it could be a crew thing where he, he thought the quarterback had it, right? As, as a, you know, we're watching blocking. We're not always watching handoffs and that kind of stuff. So we can get tricked into it. Um, and maybe you talking with your umpire and line of scrimmage guy, you piece together that, well, God, the quarterback put it on the ground and someone else picked it up. Well, if you're... Once you piece those things together, now we can drop a flag for a foul. Doesn't change what happened on the play. The enforcement is exactly the same. Uh, we're going to go from the, the you know the spot of the foul, so right behind the center there. That that's it's one nice thing. It's one of the things I like about football is you got time when things get complex like this. Yeah, and particularly if it means getting the play right, 
Because even the team that is uh, not benefiting, because they're the ones who did something wrong, you know, typically at least one of the coaches on that sidelines knows that it's a, you know, an illegal play kind of a thing. You might have to argue with it and stuff like that. But if you're taking time to get the play right, that's all really anybody cares about. Take that time. It's okay to blow your whistle and say, let's talk about this for two seconds so we make sure before we go on to the next play that we got this right. Well, and a lot of these rules came from people did this and like the guy was going, hey, we did that in seventh grade football. You know, we did the old uh, backwards bounce pad. There's some cool rules that way too, but it, it, became a rule because somebody did it and it's deceptive and, and not really in the spirit of playing football. So somebody might've learned it during a legal time frame. Uh, now we just have to say, we have a rule that says you can't do that specifically. And you don't yep. have to be able to quote, Hey, it's seven two article eight. You just gotta say, you can't do that on purpose. We can give you the reference when we get back to our car. And then you'll always get a coach that says, well, what rule is it? Then tell, tell me what rule it is. And they want you to say, well, it's seven, two, eight. And you say, I don't know. And they say, well, you should I go. I know it's a rule. And they said, well, which one is it? I said, I don't know. We'll look it up after the game, you know. And and I remember on a kickoff, so I'm the back judge. I'm on the I'm on the line. The the kicking team's about to kick off, right? He comes up and he's this again. It's a special teams coordinator. There's something with special teams coordinators that they're just a little odd, always odd. And so he walks up and he says, "Well, what happens if we kick it like 20 yards and then touch, you know, some like weird obstruction thing?" I said, "I don't know." And he says, what? You're supposed to know this stuff, you know? And I said, well, you can't come talk to me right as this game's going and expect me to just rattle this off, right? I said, I don't know. And so, you know, all these guys are laughing behind me. And he comes up to me later. He goes, well, if you want to talk about it, you know, talk about it not three seconds before a play. But he was so thrown off that I just said, I don't know. And he goes, well, you're the rough. You're supposed to know. I go, well, I don't know. I don't know what you're asking me. So, you know, and I'm not going to make it up. Yeah, that's one time. One of the things I like to do uh, in pregame meetings with coaches, you got something weird, hopefully they would bring it up then because that's at least a chance for us to go say, well, let's go, can you give me five minutes? I'm going to go look quick and and give you the correct answer. When they bring it up as the the kicker's back there with his hand up, that's not the time for us to pull our rule book out of our pocket, right? It's up in the car. We're not bringing our rule book down to the the, uh, game. And it is so much better to tell somebody, I don't know, especially in football. There's so many goofy rules. That's what we're doing this podcast right it's unbelievably goofy it is so unbelievably goofy and you have things that pop up and it's so much better to say i don't know i have no idea coach no idea i'll go ask i'll figure it out than to start trying to make it up well you know rule 72b says that there's this but your left foot can't go here and then you're making it up that is so bad don't make stuff up tell somebody you don't know and if they all they're going to do is say oh well at least you're not lying to me kind of a thing. <laughs> right. so, yeah all right, we're on to 7-3, handling the ball. We're on rule 7, Luke, snapping, handling, and passing the ball. We're up to 7-3, handling the ball. Article 1 states, any player may hand the ball backwards at any time. Nothing controversial there, is there? Um, I'm sure we're going to get to it, but uh, we'll talk about it if we get to it. No, uh, Article 2, no player may hand the ball forward except during a scrimmage down before a change of possession, provided both players are in or behind the neutral zone, and it is to A, a lineman who has clearly faced his end line by moving both feet in a half turn and is at least one yard behind his line when he receives the ball. There we go, finally got to that play. Or B, a back or a teammate who, at the snap, was on an end of his line and was not the snapper nor adjacent to the snapper. 
Yeah, so this is just saying that, uh, you know, normal handoffs from quarterback to the, to the running backs, um, you know, those are most likely uh, backwards. You could also have a quarterback in shotgun and he could hand the ball to someone that's coming across, you know, it's kind of a, as long as it's not one of these linemen that we're restricting from doing that here. So um, handing forward can occur behind the line of scrimmage to very specific players. We just don't want the deceptive things around the snapper, you know, the, the handing of to a lineman, I guess is what we're covering here. Yeah. So B states was an end of, was an end of his line and was not the snapper nor adjacent to snap. So what if you've got a running back door and like an H back, and they're going to do a sweep from left to right. You know, let's think of an H-back. So he's not on the line. He's in that kind of weird flank position. All of a sudden, he just, and we got a quarterback that's in shotgun, comes back, and he just starts, he runs in front of the quarterback, hands it off. I mean, that's legal, right? But it's, I don't know if it's calling for it here. Uh, it is. It's, it's, it's saying before team changes team possession, handling the ball forward as long as it's not to those linemen, right? That's what we're, we got to go through this one again. Before, yeah, provided both this. players are in or behind the neutral. Oh, yeah, okay, there it is. Before provided both players are in or behind the neutral zone. Yeah, and and tight ends are the ones or people on the end of the line can get it. Interior linemen can't be a part of this unless they turn around, which is the goofy yeah. play you're talking about, where they they literally they have to take, they have to go 180. They have to look back at their own end line or back towards the, where the quarterback is for them to be able to accept the ball. They can't. I don't know. Can't be handed. And they got to be one yard behind the neutral zone. Yeah. (laughs) Goofy. I've never seen that play happen, but it happens. Article three: During a scrimmage down after a change of team possession, no player may hand the ball forward to a teammate. Yep. So this is just saying we we've had a a turnover. We have a kick play. You know, free kick. You can't hand it forward. So really, what this is covering is handing the ball is forward is illegal unless it's a quarterback handling it to a back. That's probably yep. the way to just cover all three things at the same time. And if you ever go, if you want to hand it backwards, everybody can do that at any time. Yeah. Or if they're doing some uh, double reverses behind the line of scrimmage with all that stuff, I mean, it, it, it can be a forward. If it's receiver to receiver and the receiver that's handing the ball off is behind, is eight yards back, and the guy that's coming across is seven yards back, they could still hand the ball off as long as they were – Behind the behind the neutral zone, at the start of the play. Okay, seven four fumble and backwards passes. Article one says during any down, any player in possession may make a backwards pass or may lose player possession through a fumble. Again, uh, you you're talk uh, we're talking about laterals here. Is there anything such thing as technically as a lateral? No. Uh, so this is a. Uh... This is one of those things that when, I guess, referees who dig into the rule book heavy, they hear the word lateral or a coach will say, that was a, a lateral. Well, lateral doesn't occur as far as our rule set. We have forward passes and backward passes. Uh, lateral is something that's, you know, you're throwing it. Well, is it forward or backwards, right? We have to define what the lateral, what direction it's heading. Kind of like over the back in basketball. No such thing as over the back. No, no, he either pushed him or he didn't. Yeah. Article two, if a fumble or a backwards pass is caught or recovered by any player, he may advance. I guess any, this is this seem goofy for any reason. It's just saying that it, the ball is live and anybody can get it at that point. One thing I guess maybe, uh, again, for, for people who harp on those other rules, there's some things on fourth down in, in the other two codes about 
someone who fumbles, then a teammate of his can't pick it up and run. That's where people can get screwed up with this rule. High school football has no issues whatsoever. Any fumble can be advanced by any player. Any backwards pass can be advanced by any player. You know, we've got these trick plays, and again, there used to be plays where as long as a forward pass was behind the line of scrimmage, you could do a second forward pass. We don't have that anymore. You know, if you're going to do a double pass, it must be a backwards pass. Correct? Well, one of them has to be a backward pass. Usually the first one's the backward pass, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you're going to do a double pass, yep, the first one. So, yep, all right. Well, and this is the, the, the trick play that does come up with this is people will fake an incomplete pass. So if I have a wide receiver that takes the two steps behind where the quarterback's lined up and he throws what looks like an incomplete pass down the line, but it's backwards, that one hop, that bounce, and then him catching it, he can then, I mean, the ball is live, it's a backwards pass, but it looked like it was an incomplete pass to everyone in the world, right? He can catch that one hopper. You know, if he's a good shortstop, maybe they teach him how to do this. He can catch it take the ball and throw it to his teammate because we a backwards pass stays live uh, and anybody can, I guess, possess it at that point. So that's yep. the that's as where an the... official, as a, as a line of scrimmage official, we have a signal for this, right? That does clearly state that it is a backward pass? Correct. Uh, so you'll see the, the line of scrimmage guy, he'll punch backwards, so back towards the Team A side of the field. Um, I'm actually a fan, too. If we're... If we have these tweeners, where is it? Is it forward or backwards? And they are ruling that it's forward. I'm actually a fan of that guy punching forward towards the defense too. It makes the entire world know exactly what he's doing. Um, I think the mechanics book doesn't ever ever have you punch forward, but it's a mechanic that I encourage my guys to use because it helps us be definitive forward backwards because you have to pick one as that line of scrimmage guy. Yep. Well, yeah, and then I guess two things there. Uh, you. One would assume, if you had a good crew, that if you didn't punch, if you didn't punch backward, then it's forward. Correct. I mean, you know, that's the assumption. Or if it was an incomplete pass, like you, you just said, you know, so it's a forward incomplete pass on that little swing play or something like that that you're coming in and you're blowing it dead as incomplete, right? And so, yeah, um, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said there. But if again, if you've got a good crew and everybody knows what's going, on, you're you, you know. They're going to say instantly, no. I mean, if it's backwards, I punch back. If it's forward, I'm, you know, I'm not the, doing anything. The but. big thing I'm trying to encourage those guys to do is be definitive one way or the other. So, yeah, if they come in, sell, incomplete pass, they're heavy on it. Uh, you know, if they were trying to do this trick play, but the ball really did go forward and it's incomplete. As long as that uh, official is making the entire world know exactly what he is seeing, what he's observing, he's not standing there watching the play continue to happen, you know, and kind of waiting to see, well, what got, what should it? So as long as you're definitive, if you make a decision about it, that's the big goal, I guess, so that we don't have this gray area on a pass like these ones. Yeah. Article three. The ball belongs to the passing or fumbling team unless lost after fourth down if a fumble or backwards pass A goes out of bounds between the goal lines or B becomes dead in bounds while no player is in possession or C becomes dead in bounds while opponents are in joint possession. Yeah, so I think the the main thing that people to learn here, uh, if I am running with the ball and I fumble and it goes out of bounds, there's nothing in this rule set that says it comes back to where I fumbled it. Like we'd have a beanbag down for other enforcement issues, but the the team actually gains the yardage of where that ball went out of bounds. So high school football is another kind of unique one that way where um, 
you could fumble it three yards forward and you actually gain three yards there because it went out of bounds. So you can have the fumble Aya. Yeah, fumble to get a first down. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but the I mean I think the point there is if somebody's clearly fumbling the ball forward, I mean it's a legal forward pass. I mean you know something's legal there, right? I mean you well, can't. Big, biggest thing here, so uh, fumble is not an intentional act. An illegal yep. forward pass would be I throw it forward. Fumble yeah. means that you've lost possession. It's just uh, there, there's people don't think it's necessarily fair that you fumble it, it goes out of bounds, and you get to go move forward. Well, you yeah. do. It's just it's part of the defense. Defense is running up, and he's in pursuit, and he kicks it 10 yards forward and goes out of bounds up there. It's just the way the ball bounces in high school football. Okay. Article 4. If a fumble or a backwards pass is out of bounds behind a goal line, the ball belongs to the team defending that goal line, and the result is either a touchback or a safety. Yeah, we'll go a lot deeper into this in Rule uh, 8 when we talk about safeties and touchbacks as a part of scoring. But this is just saying if it's in there, the team that defends that end zone, they're going to get it, and they either get to keep it as part of a touchback or they're going to keep it, give the other team two points, and then do a free kick at the 20. It's all the, just defining that for us. Yeah, so this one comes, I mean, again, you've got a number of times that this possibly comes into play, but usually it's a snap over the head of a punter. He'll kick it out of the back of the end zone, or he'll throw it, somebody will throw it out of the back of the end zone. That is not a pass. That is a backwards pass, not That's a right. lateral. That's a backwards pass. I've We've had that on our crew where this has happened. We've called intentional grounding. And then, uh, you know, about two beers in, it's like, well, you can't have intentional grounding on, on a backwards pass. So, you know, I don't know. It's just, again, you, there, you can't, how we got to that point is just mind-boggling to me. But at the time, you're, well, tell me something's different. We talked to both coaches. They didn't tell us that was a backwards pass kind of a thing. And so, you know, it is what it is. Um, but throughout out the back of the end zone, safety, you know, they're conserving. They don't want to give up six points there. They just want to give up two. 7-5, forward pass classification. Article 1, it is a legal forward pass if during a scrimmage down and before team possession has changed, a player of A, the offense, throws the ball with both feet of the passer in or behind the neutral zone when the ball is released. Only one forward pass may be thrown during a down. Yes, we talked a little bit about the, uh, the trick play stuff that, you know, you could have a backwards pass on a forward pass. This covers that you only get one, so you can't do two forward passes like we discussed. Um, the only other thing to really get is scrambling quarterbacks. Uh, it's not like where his hand releases the ball. It's about where both of his feet are. So if he has a foot be- beyond the line of scrimmage and the ball comes out from behind the line of scrimmage, the feet are what we use as our, our mark in this case for was he beyond? Is it an illegal forward pass because he went beyond the neutral zone? And we yeah. get it right. So high from school, this. it's feet. I mean, because we, we see it in the NFL where they're like, oh, well, his elbow was be, was at the line of scrimmage, so he's not completely over the line. Things like that. high school, both feet. If both feet aren't behind the line, it's an illegal forward pass. He's over the line of scrimmage. It doesn't matter where anything else is. It's both feet need to be behind the line. Yep. And just a small mechanics thing. Uh, so a lot of times we have, since there's only five of us in high school most of the time, uh, a lot of times we'll have, on one side of the field at least, that uh, the line of scrimmage guy may be floating. So as a uh, referee, that might, you know, if I'm going along behind the quarterback, one of those responsibilities I'll have is to run up, 
where he threw it from and try to like stand there and take a peek quick. If he's clearly behind or if it's close, we probably don't have anything. If it's clear that where I put my foot down, I'm, you know, half a yard beyond, then we know that he violated this rule. Yeah. I've even seen white hats, uh, beanbag that, right. Cause you have to keep, you have to keep officiating, you know, beanbag where he threw it and then you can come back to it, especially if something running, you know, who knows what's going on. It was a quick, quick catch. And now you got a running back and you're trying to follow all this stuff. And you got linemen and holding, you know, I've seen white hats beanbag that and you can come back to it and say, geez, we're three yards past here. Here's my beanbag. Here's where he threw it. You know, this was an obvious one. So article two an illegal N illegal forward pass is a foul. Illegal forward passes include A, a pass after team possession is changed during the down. So we got an interception, something like that. You know, you're not allowed to throw it forward. Yeah, or, um, or again, on a kick free off. kick, play, on free kick yeah. play. Yeah, so yep. since that change of possession happened, uh, the only thing you can do is do a backwards pass, which does come up in trick plays. B, a pass from beyond the neutral zone. Yep. Just we talked just, about that. Two defined. feet must be behind. Yep. C, a second or subsequent forward pass or passes thrown during a down. Fairly obvious from what we've just talked about. D, a pass intentionally thrown into an area not occupied by an eligible offensive receiver. Yeah, so this is a, this is an interesting one because um, at least in Minnesota this year, we're part of an experimental rule change. A couple other uh, states have done it last year. I think Iowa is one of them. Uh, so this is... Um, talking about a quarterback throwing it away to conserve yardage, so intentional grounding. Uh, in, in our state this year, we're starting to move towards the, the NCAA mechanic where it's allowed if he's outside of the pocket and he throws it beyond the line of scrimmage. But last year, our rule here was you can't throw the ball away. You have to throw it at somebody or you have to take the, the sack, the yardage, the tackle, whatever you want to say. So that was one of the toughest ones because everybody sees Saturdays and Sundays and they just don't get it. Uh, in high school, by the by, the NFHS standard today, um, there is no throwing the ball away. Well, there's also, but the other thing is, there's also no such thing as uh, uncatchable pass in high school. And so, he, I mean, this guy, he could literally throw it 20 feet over his receiver's head and just say, "Oh, the ball slipped," you know, things like that. Like, I think there's a lot of wiggle room, and this is another, again, another play where. Throw that thing really late. You don't have to throw that flag right away. I mean, you can, you could talk with the side. You could talk with the back judge to figure out. You know, did you think that there was somebody that he was throwing to there? Did I miss something as the white hat here that you know that you saw that? Oh, maybe that receiver was there and it just sailed something like that. So this can absolutely be a very, very late flag. Well, and this this is almost encouraged in this case. So part of our responsibilities as referees is that you know why would why would a guy be dumping the ball? He's probably about to get tackled by somebody. He's trying to conserve yards. He throws the ball, and we don't get to then turn and watch where the pass goes. That guy's probably tackling our quarterback. We have to watch a pile. So um, we we don't know if there was somebody close by. You know, uh, we may have an inkling just because of what was happening with with our quarterback getting in trouble back there. But um, it is a, a crew type call where then you know the back judge, the the line of scrimmage guy can help the quarter or help the uh, referee through this saying, hey, I didn't have anybody, like not not by a mile, right? There's no one around this guy. Um, he, he, drop your flag is really what they'll come up and tell me. Uh, yep. I'll be standing where, where that guy threw it from, but uh, my job is not to watch where the ball goes after the quarterback throws it. And I guess the other thing to state going the other way is you can always pick up a flag too. 
you could throw a flag. You can always pick up a flag. You might have to go explain to coaches, but you don't. It's it's not set in stone. Once that flag comes out, that a foul has absolutely occurred. You know, pick it up, wave it off, and you know, hey, we talked about it. There wasn't a foul there. Get it right, right? We had a play last year where we had a quarterback running to the sideline, all right, and he was just going to flick it out of bounds or towards somebody else to try to, again, conserve yardage, all right? Well, our white hat, there's three guys chasing him. They all go crashing out of bounds, right? And so the white hat stays with it, and he's watching that because that's he thinks that the play's over. Well, the guy flicks it. A defender who's standing on the sidelines grabs it and starts running the other way, runs right along the backside of our white hat. He had no idea that the play was still going on. He's just trying to protect that that uh, that quarterback still or make sure that nothing's happening after the play You know, along the sidelines there. And so all of a sudden we're in scramble mode trying to figure out coverages and the lineman's got to go around, the, the line of scrimmage guy's got to go all the way around all this stuff, and it was just the weirdest play. So... Yeah, I mean, there's five of us. For re- I wish there was eight. I wish there was seven sometimes. But, you know, you've got responsibilities, and, you know, you can't just look away, you know, on, on plays when you're trying to protect quarterbacks, things like that. So. Yeah. yeah, so that's a great example. And one other thing that's good to note on that is you still should have a flag down for the illegal forward pass because what if we had, a, you know, um, a, a defensive holding or something like that? We could end up offsetting. So there is a, still a foul for that flick thing he did. Um the only other point I want to make on it is if there's anyone else who is doing this experimental rule like we are this year, um, when a quarterback is uh, throwing the ball away and we're allowing it, you know, it's an exception to intentional grounding, uh, we do not care about linemen or ineligibles downfield. You could have a guy, you know, a, a 50 through 79, seven yards downfield. They're not, they're, they're, they're giving, this is something that's actually in the language of it, they're giving up their chance to gain yardage, right? That's why he's throwing the ball away. Um, it's a forward pass beyond the line of scrimmage. We have that piece of it. So normally rules would have an eligible player. We ignore that as a philosophy. It's, it's written in the rule that uh, we, we don't call that when they're dumping it. Gotcha. The ball has to get to the line of scrimmage. Has so to get to the line of scrimmage, and he has to be outside of the oh, tackle box. T- tackle box, yep. And you can be fairly liberal with that. Yeah, that's usually two uh, or three steps left or right for a quarterback. Yep. Uh, e, we've got one more here, and the legal forward pass is a foul. Legal forward passes include E, a pass intentionally thrown, incomplete, to save a loss of yardage or to conserve time. Did we say, did we say that one already? Uh, no, you just talked about you threw it into an area. That doesn't have somebody, but you could also throw yeah. it out of bounds, like what you talked about with your play, uh, for timing purposes or yardage purposes. So you could That's also have it where you could have a quarterback take a snap and throw it directly out of bounds. That's uh, a forward pass to conserve time, which would also. I suppose be... this is uh, you know killing the clock too. You're trying to kill the clock. It's a uh, you know throw the ball right at your feet or center's feet and things like that. Well, so. well and and I guess one thing since we've talked a little bit about this experimental thing. There is a difference in enforcement for high school and college. They both carry loss of down, which is an important thing to know, but high school has a five-yard penalty for doing that. So that guy who takes the, the snap and throws it out of bounds to conserve time, um, we would have a couple things going on. Clock would be going because they're trying to conserve time. We don't let them do that. They're also going to go back five yards. That doesn't happen in college. Hmm. Okay. Um, there's an exception. It is legal for a player positioned directly behind the snapper to conserve time 
by intentionally throwing the ball forward to the ground immediately after receiving the snap that it has either been that has neither been muffed nor touched the ground. Yep. So this is a there's quarterback a, spiking the ball for an incomplete pass. Yep. But there's a new one this year. It used to be illegal to do this out of the shotgun. It is yeah. legal to do it out of the shotgun now. You yeah, can team, do that out of the shotgun. So for teams who just standardize on shotgun, they can also snap the ball and spike it. Yeah, but it used to be the other way around. Okay, well, we've got it. we're up to 7-5. There's a table now called the Summary of Legal and Illegal Forward Passes, table 752. You know, we've got this table here. Make a, make a photocopy of it and stick it in your back pocket. That's what I do with a lot of stuff, and if you need it, you've got it. Or save it for pregame. Uh, 7-5, Article 3. If the penalty for an illegal forward pass is accepted, measurement is from the spot of such forward pass. If the offended team declines the distance penalty, it has the choice of having the down counted at the spot of the illegal incomplete forward pass or, if the illegal forward pass is caught or intercepted, of having the ball put in play as determined by the action which follows the catch. The big thing they're saying here is that it's not like a previous spot thing. Uh, you know, a lot of these happen right around the line of scrimmage as far as a quarterback maybe throwing a legal forward pass. But we could also have, you know, uh, a run play that goes 20 yards downfield. And uh, as the guy is getting tackled, he pulls a Randy Moss and tries to, you know, backwards pass it to his uh, teammate. If that backwards pass attempt is actually a forward pass, they get the 20 yards they gained. We're going to enforce it from all that yardage that they gained back five yards, lost it down. Now we've talked through enforcement of, of uh, penalties and the kind of the series and line the gain stuff already in rule five. But it, this is just saying, uh, again, reminding us that it's from where the foul occurred that we're going to enforce the yardage. And if they got a first down on that, so 20 yards down the line, they got a first down. There's not, a, it, it doesn't go to second and 10, right? It's still, it's still, they take five yards back, but it's still first and 10 from right there. Correct. Yeah. And that rule five has that, the, the wording about that, but yeah, it's, it's going to be first down when, when you're, after you enforce, you still end up beyond the line to gain the loss of down kind of goes away is the easy way to think yep. about it. Okay. Article four, a forward pass legal or illegal is complete. And the ball may be advanced when caught by any player of a or B. If a forward pass is caught simultaneous, simultaneously by two opponents, the ball becomes dead and belongs to the passing team. Uh, so it just means that like, the foul doesn't stop it. It's not like it makes it an incomplete pass. Um, you know, a, An A player could catch that illegal forward pass from the quarterback. He can advance it 20 yards. We're still going to force back from where that happened, but the good news for Team B is if they do fumble it or something like that and Team B ends up with the ball, they're going to have an option to decline and keep it. So it's, yeah. it's just saying it doesn't stop the play for any reason if you have an, uh, a caught illegal forward pass. Yeah, so if you, see a, if you see an illegal forward pass, don't blow the whistle. Throw the flag, but don't blow the Don't kill it. Let, let that play play out from an officiating standpoint. And again, if they're simultaneously caught by two players, again, you give it a little bit of time, but it's dead there. It's not like they can keep rumbling down. You want to put it where they both simultaneously caught. That's where you want to put the ball, kill the, kill the play, put it right there. Article 5, a forward pass, legal or illegal, is incomplete, and the ball becomes dead when the pass touches the ground or goes out of bounds. It is also incomplete when a player in the air possesses the pass and alights so that his first contact with the ground or with anything 
other than a player or game official is on or outside a boundary. When an incompletion occurs, the down counts unless the pass is after a change of possession. If the pass is legal, the passing team next snaps the ball at the previous spot unless lost after fourth down. Okay, a lot of stuff here. Uh, the the kind of first two-thirds of that is essentially saying, okay, incomplete pass happens when the ball, whether it's a legal or illegal forward pass, if it hits the ground, the, the play is dead. Uh, if a player catches a ball, they jump from inbounds, they catch it, and their first thing to touch down is on the boundary line or out of bounds, so their, their foot's on the line, right? That also means that it's incomplete, and we're going to go back to the previous spot. Let's go back to the last uh, piece of it here. Pass is legal, and the team next snaps the ball at the previous spot unless it's lost after fourth down. So, again, if series of down is broken, then it could be that our team's ball is, is all that's covered. Yeah. Um, you know, and we never they, they never say this. This is one of the things that always drives me bonkers. Maybe it's in the definitions, but I wish they would just come out and say it. A catch in high school is one foot. You've got one foot down. You've got the ball in two hands or – you know, you've caught the ball, you possess the ball. One foot inbounds is a catch. You don't Correct. need two feet. You get one foot in, it's a catch. One foot down, and then you fall out, it's a catch. It's always bothered me that they yeah, don't say that. They, they sort of do. They, they talk about uh, a player's status as either inbounds or out of bounds. You're not yeah. both. You can't be, you're not in an in-air player. So uh, it's uh, you got to use your secret Dakota ring to get to that, I guess. But um, yeah. they do talk about it in Rule 2 and definitions. Yeah. Saturdays and Sundays, you know, with TVs and everything, it's so focused on those feet, inbounds, out of bounds, where they at, all that stuff, you know, that it's like I think it's it's caused me to be hypersensitive to, well, is it a catch or not a catch? And, you know, again, it's, it's the rule book. It, it should be so simple, but it's not because it talks, again, like you just said, it talks about a player's either inbound. One foot in is good. So that's my PSA for the week. One foot in is good for a catch. That's all we need to know. Okay. Summary of completed incomplete forward passes. Again, we've got another chart. Go to your book, go to your app, look it up. Um, it's essentially just a chart of what we just went over. Article 6. Pass eligibility rules apply only to a legal forward pass. The following players are eligible pass receivers. A. All A players eligible by position and number, including those who, at the time of snap, are on the ends of their scrimmage line or legally behind the line, possible total of six, and are numbered 1 through 49 or 80 through 99. There is an exception on 725B, which we talked about. B, all A players, so the offensive players, become eligible when B touches a legal forward pass. So if the defense touches a legal forward pass, anybody can catch it. So this comes up with D linemen. They tip the ball at the line of scrimmage. It goes straight up, falls right into the guard's hands. He's he, he's eligible to catch that and start running down the, down the field. Yeah, and I guess the only other point about A is that you can't have a legal touching of a forward pass on an illegal forward pass. The legal touching has to do with are you eligible to touch it. It has to be a... Again, I'll try to slow it down just so I don't mispronunciate, but uh, those rules only apply on legal forward passes. If you have one where the quarterback was beyond the line of scrimmage and he throws it to a lineman, uh, you don't have a legal touching by of a, of a pass because it's not a legal pass legal. in the first place. Yeah. 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 
uh, Article 6C, all B players are eligible. So any man in the defense can catch a ball and go the other way. And then D, a player who is eligible at the start of the down remains eligible throughout the down. Yeah, you can't have it go away for any reason. Just okay, Article 7. Article 7, pass interference restrictions only apply beyond the neutral zone and only if the legal forward pass untouched by B in or behind the neutral zone crosses the neutral zone. Pass interference restrictions are in effect for all A and B players until the ball is touched or the pass is incomplete. Yeah, so we're going to dive deeper into pass interference stuff in a second here. The big thing to get out of this this article is you don't have pass interference when it's behind the line of scrimmage. Just you can't have a flag down if a if a B play. If let's just say they're trying to do a bubble pass or something, and a B player comes up and makes contact with that uh, potential receiver, um, there's no pass interference behind the line of scrimmage in high school football. Interesting. So if a team is constantly doing that little bubble, I mean, you can just tell your your D back to just go take that guy out. And he's well, essentially blocked. There's some uh, unnecessary roughness and things yeah. like that that we have to worry yeah. about. But he, uh, you can't. He, you can hold. You can grab. It's behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. There's no. Uh, you can go put a bear hug on him, right? Nice, soft, gentle bear hug, so he can't put his hands up to catch the ball. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, nobody gets hurt. Doesn't catch the ball. It's behind the line of scrimmage. Not pass interference. Um, Article eight. Well, here before pass. we move on, Matt, let's okay. uh, let's talk about. So one more thing with with Article seven. Um, it talks about uh, if that, that pass interference restrictions, uh, it talks about uh, the ball being touched by B here too. So the, where this occurs, we talked about, you know, D lineman trying to slap the ball. If a pass is touched by B whatsoever, and then subsequently, maybe as the back judge, you thought you had pass interference. Um, that's another thing where you, if you see it, great, but otherwise the crew can help with a tipped ball you can't have pass interference on that if it's been touched by B. So uh, tough one for back judges specifically because you shouldn't be seeing the the line play, right? You're watching what's happening with your receivers downfield. If that ball was tipped for some reason, the umpire line of scrimmage guys help you out. Uh, you can't have pass interference on plays that it were tipped. Yeah, and as a back judge, I mean, there's timing and flow and feel of the game that you get with this because you can kind of tell when a pass is coming, right? And you kind of know the kind of the time. I mean, you just have a general sense of the, the ball should be here not by now. And if it's not and that guy gets tackled, I mean, you kind of get a sense of that, especially if the ball is not there. It doesn't come in the vicinity. Maybe it stops where the linebackers are, things like that. Like you kind of get a little spider sense of, well, is that touched? You know, kind of a thing. But, you know, you still you can always pick up your flag. You know, the, as a crew come together, you can always pick up a flag. Yeah, and throwing it because you saw contact early, but uh, someone takes you off it because it was tipped. That's good. Yeah. Uh, that's why there's five of us. That's why we communicate. Yep. All right. Um, and then, you know, again, I'll, we'll dive into it again. Maybe we get to it a little bit down here. But uh, pass interference restrictions are in effect for all A and B players. So, again, A can absolutely can have offensive pass interference. Uh, Article 8, pass interference restrictions on a legal forward pass begin for subsection A. Team A with a snap, Team B when the ball leaves the passer's hand. So as long as if you're a Team A member and you're down, you're past the neutral zone, you can have pass interference restrictions. The ball doesn't have to be in flight. 
things like yeah. that, right? I mean, right. well, this is more often uh, if you ever have like two receivers in an area, one goes out and clearly is just blocking one of the players, and then someone's kind of using it and cutting behind them. They are the, the restriction for them to to have contact starts with the snap. They're, it's not waiting for the ball to be flying. So uh, OPI has potential before the pass is thrown. Uh, OPI is All right, you're using your yeah. – you, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're using your your lingo that we said we're not going to use, Luke. So you got to – okay, back up. OPI, I do know what this is only from hearing you talk about this for the last 10 years, but OPI sure. is what for the crowd? I wish I wish the uh, – breaking the fourth wall here, I wish people could have seen Matt's face when I said OPI. Uh, yeah. Offensive <laughs> pass interference. Um, All right. It just – yeah, so we'll talk about offensive pass interference and defensive pass interference, and we use OPI and DPI. Okay. So A, with the snap, but B, when the ball leaves the passer's hand. So I guess it gives B more freedom to to push, shove, block. You know, um, A, they know it's a pass play. They can't make contact with their opponent beyond the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, right from the snap. Yeah. And this, re- I mean, again, and this really comes in where a, a, a team thinks that the ball is going to be thrown behind the line of scrimmage. Right, and so they're blocking down down the field because the ball there's no off, there's no pass interference if the ball's not beyond the neutral zone, so they're blocking downfield. But all of a sudden that ball is a yard or two beyond the line of scrimmage. So what do we call those plays? The uh, play the action. Redu- oh sure, uh, yeah. I'm drawing a blank. This is oh, easy. Uh, <laughs> play action. You're talking about RPO, uh, so run pass option. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, but there's that with it. Then there's the little ones, the little bubble where they, you know, the linemen, they're blocking like it's a pass. Then they release downfield, you know, it's like a run play. So they let the D lineman, they let, they just let the oh, D lineman go. You're talking about screen. Screen. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Why can't I think of a screen? Yeah. So this happens on screen plays. So as long as the screen, you know, screen play that happens a lot where you've got people blocking downfield, and uh, if yeah, that there's, ball there's kinda, is behind, there's two things that come in there. So usually you have linemen downfield blocking, which would be a problem. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, and as long as the the player who catches it, this is the whole. That's the whole reason we talk about in or behind the line of scrimmage. If it's behind the line yep. of scrimmage, great, you can block all you want. If that running back or that that wide receiver is slipping in behind those linemen, if he catches it beyond the line of scrimmage, now we have all these OPI potential rules yep. here and ineligibles downfield. And in those, yep, yep, flags are flying everywhere. Yard sale, throwing hats, throwing bean bags. Look out. Uh, all right, Article 9, pass interference restrictions on a legal forward pass and for subsection A, all eligible A players, all eligible offensive players when the pass has been touched by any player. Pass interference restrictions on a legal forward pass when all when it's touched by any eligible player. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. All eligible A players when the pass has been touched by any player. Lineman, D lineman, B, A. B, all ineligible A players when B touches the pass. However, it is not pass interference for ineligible A players to use hands and arms in a legal block to ward off an opponent. Anything there? It's just saying that linemen, um, they lose their restriction for blocking if B touches it. Uh, It's not any kind of restriction if they're just blocking a player across from them, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Really, I don't see anything special to talk about there. Yep. Subsection C, all B players, so all defensive players, when the pass has been touched by any player, 
pass interference restrictions on legal forward passes end for all B players when the pass has been touched by any player, or D, all players when the pass is incomplete. Yeah, so the only thing really to cover here is, like, if we have a pass downfield to, to team A, uh, if they touch the ball but they don't, they're not catching, let's just say they tip it up, now B can actually throw that guy to the ground. It, it, the pass hasn't ended yet. The play hasn't ended yet. But since it was touched by A, they can now essentially tackle or restrict or do whatever they want to try to make it so that team A doesn't catch it. Okay. Article 10. It is forward pass interference if any player of A or B who is beyond the neutral zone interferes with an eligible opponent's opportunity to move forward, to move toward, catch, or bat the pass. That's why, why we call, I guess, a pass interference. Um, yeah. So this, I mean, again, so this this is one that this is always the struggle for me. If you've got... Uh, you know, you've got to sprint down the sidelines. So you're going for a long pass. And all of a sudden that pass is underthrown, right? And the D-back is five yards behind him anyways. He's trying to catch up. Well, if that pass is coming up short, you know, and he just runs into him, it's not intentional or anything like that. But, you know, he's – B is not aware of where it's at, but he is uh, – He is interfering, interfering with the guys. with yep. A's player – A's he's interfering with A's opportunity to move toward, catch, or bat the pass. And so that is pass interference. It's not a definite intent to impede, which you hear often for pass interference on stuff. If people are hand, you know, hand jiving a little bit, things like that. But, you know, he's he is interfering with an eligible opponent's opportunity to move towards a catch. And that's the one I've got to get in my head more than anybody else, I think, uh, who's listening to this podcast. Because I just want to say that, oh, you know, feet got tangled, things like that. So well, it's a horrible about, pass. Why, why are we rewarding a horrible pass kind of a thing? So. Well, and why are you rewarding horrible defense by allowing him to get away with that contact? And there's kind of two sides of the fence there, whether you're an offensive or a defensive-minded person. The next one's going to talk about all these kind of things that are not. But uh, really, if that player doesn't know where the ball is and he doesn't allow the guy he's competing against uh, to, to get to where the ball is going, you know, whether if he, it's one thing if he's playing the ball, we'll talk about what's not next. But uh, if he has no clue and he makes contact early, uh, then it's gonna be a foul. And one thing I'll always stay here, uh, state here, because there's there's been some change in this rule over the years. Uh, that pass interference is a contact foul. Uh, there was a point in time where people were talked about face guarding, where you put your hand up so the guy can't see it, and you're not playing the ball. That, that's that's gone now. You have to make contact, and you have to stop the guy from getting to where he's trying to get. That's a good way to put it. It's a contact foul. You know, it's a contact foul. That's a good way to put it. Um, Article 11. It is not forward pass interference if A, unavoidable contact occurs when two or more eligibles, eligibles, I don't know they're calling them eligibles, unavoidable contact occurs when two or more eligibles are making a simultaneous bona fide attempt to move toward catch or bat the pass. So again, this is basically, you think of it as like a jump ball, right? Like nobody... You don't know the other guy's there. You're both just going up to try to catch it, and then you both bump shoulders and things happen. You know, both players are trying to make a, a bona fide catch. Yeah, and in that, that case, you know, that's a 50-50 ball. I think that that's the, what people think about this. But the same pass play you just talked about, that, uh, that D-back is five yards behind the guy, but he's looking back and trying to get to the ball versus trying to run to catch up to the player. If the offensive player, Team A, stops to try to catch the ball and D-back guy runs into him because he's trying to get to where the ball is going, that's not pass interference. So 
that 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 we say are they both playing the ball uh it's not restricted to just 50 50 it's if they're both trying to make a catch then any contact associated with where they're running and going is considered uh, i guess just part of the game yeah and i think you know what i've used as an excuse because there's times where coaches are just going bonkers or something and it's like hey he's got the right to make that catch too and that's all we're, we're getting both both guys were, were going both players were going both had the right to go for the catch and both were going for the catch and you know it's unavoidable contact is the best way yeah. to say it so and, and one good uh, just just i guess mechanics thing or something to, to kind of get you out of jail you watch and if you see four hands up for the ball any contact is kind of just it's incidental at that point. Yeah, could be. It can, it's not saying that's not significant contact, but four hands mean both guys are trying to catch the ball. If you see three or two, and maybe there's a grab or something, then but at any time, if four hands are in the air and the ball's arriving, no pass interference as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Again, there could be things that happened before that. I'm just that's that's one thing. If there's early contact, but everyone's got their hands up, then uh, it should not be called. All right, still on Article 11. It is not forward pass interference if B, contact by A, the offense, is immediately made on a B lineman and the contact does not continue beyond the expanded neutral zone. Yeah, so think about a tight end that has a a DN across from him. That DN just doing his job, even though there's contact beyond the line of scrimmage and maybe there's a pass play where that guy was eligible we don't penalize the the D lineman for engaging with the guy across from him. So, but this is this talking about specifically linemen, or is this talking about like D back receivers that are both on the line as well? It says contact by A is made on a B lineman. So you can you can block a D end. It's not considered offensive pass interference. It's just yeah. if it's a guy. I guess all that contact is just part of line play, even though it may be with an eligible A player. So tight ends can block and can be blocked. All right. C, contact by B is obviously away from the direction of the pass. This is a huge one from an official uh, standpoint. I'll talk a little about philosophy with this. So um, if, if a quarterback, let's just say he's in shotgun, and we end up having, you know, players running routes on both sides of the field. Um, what I'll say is a lot of time in, in high school football, quarterbacks have half the field they're probably going to be trying to find one or two players on. So if he's, you know, gets the ball and he's kind of he's looking to the left and something happens way over on the right side of the field, we won't throw a flag for that. Now, in contrast to that, um, if he does kind of, if he's a good enough quarterback where he's going through progressions and looks, there's contact, and then he looks somewhere else, that's one where we would have a flag down. If if the, the third situation that kind of ties to this, if there's contact on the right side of the field and the court, you look, you know, you, you, you see the contact, you look back to the quarterback and he's throwing over the left side at the same time. He that that didn't cause him to change his mind. So the, the terminology we use is two step process. One, see the contact two did it affect the play in any way? Um, it's not an easy skill to get to, but really they don't want flags for things that didn't affect the outcome of the play in any way. This is just covering that if it's so far away from what's happening with the rest of the play, where the quarterback was looking, where he throws it to, or you know if he just never looked over on the other side there, uh, they want to give comment out for any contact that occurs over there. Yeah, you don't want to penalize what happened 55 yards away from the actual play. You know, NFL, that happens all the time. You know, they've got enough people to watch all that. 
I will say it just as kind of a philosophy as a back judge, my progression is this. See the snap, see what the guard's doing. And again, you get fairly good at this. And I was a D-back myself, so I was watching this stuff growing up the whole time. But see what the guard does. If he's moving forward, it's a run. If he's moving backwards, it's a pass. I instantly look at the quarterback to see which side he's looking at. If he's looking left, the pass is going to go left. If he's looking right, the pass is going to go right. I've been burned in 17 years twice on this, where you've got a quarterback in high school who's good enough to look one way, but then go the other way. It doesn't happen in high school. Rarely does it happen. You can bet your paycheck that if he's looking left, he's going to go left, and you're going to end up with most of the money that you make on this uh, weird uh, craft that we have here. But I would say that, you know, so again, because especially if it's like, you know, all these spread offenses now, you've got two guys on one side, three on the other, and you're trying to figure out just, you're trying to give yourself a chance to make sure you're making a call or officiating the right side. Um, but yeah, it is a skill and you get used to it and you get the, you get the feel for it. And, you know, but again, it's high school football, and especially if you're not dealing with one of the huge schools or a D1 quarterback, you know, you've got a D1 quarterback. If he's looking right, he's going right. That's about all I got to say on that. All right. Article 12, ineligible A players may not advance beyond the expanded neutral zone on a legal forward pass play before a legal forward pass that crosses the neutral zone is in flight. If B touches the pass in or behind the neutral zone, this restriction is terminated. Yep. So this is just talking about you know whether or not a lineman is downfield or ineligible is downfield. Uh, when we care about this, is when the pass uh, is thrown. So when the pass leaves the quarterback hand, um, we look to see if there's any linemen, or I guess we, we're going to follow the pass too, but if at that point any linemen's downfield, that would be a foul for ineligible. And this one's super tricky because it seems like when that pass leaves the guy's hand, uh, it's easy for that lineman who's blocking to take another two steps and kind of like, when, when you realize that like okay, there's a catch made, you look back, there's linemen that are three yards downfield, that's where we get tricked into calling this. But uh, really, when the pass leaves his hand, you have to know if any eligible, or excuse me, if any ineligible lineman is downfield at that point. Yeah, and the best time to look for this is on broken plays, right? Quarterback scrambling, quarterback scrambling, goes left, goes right. You know, the linemen, they've kind of got their internal clocks that they know. You know, and they after five seconds, they just start naturally wanting to go downfield anyways and, and, and do things. So really the time to best look for this is on scramble plays or broken plays where the quarterback's act they're scrambling. And if he's going to the left, the wing guy on the right, take a look. If he's going to the right, wing guy on the left, you know, think of uh, everything's going away from me. What can I do? I can look at, you know, where the linemen are when the when the pass is thrown. Yeah, and, and what's really cause this to become more of an issue in the modern game is those R, uh, RPO run pass options that people are running. So the linemen don't know whether it's going to be a run or a pass. That's something that the quarterback's supposed to be kind of reading and doing. If that quarterback is indecisive and throws it late, uh, those linemen can't be downfield when he throws his pass. Article 13, an ineligible A player has illegally touched a forward pass if he bats, muffs, or catches a legal forward pass unless the pass has first been touched by B. Yeah, so this is just saying a, so a lineman, an eligible guy, you know, someone who was covered up. If they're, you know, the quarterback throws it and he was trying to go to the running back, but uh, all of a sudden the lineman was the one where the ball kind of goes towards, he can't touch, muff, do anything with it. That's called illegal touching. 
Um, so there's no way that lineman can touch it until it touches a player of B uh, at all. Okay. What if what if it's thrown to the back? 65 tackles or the guards running out and it gets thrown and it hits him in the back. Is that an illegal touch of a forward pass? Or is no, it only be- if he bats, he, he kind of makes a an attempt at it? Yeah, if it hits him in the helmet, it hits his shoulder pad, that those don't count for it. He's just kind of in the way. He's doing an intentional act of like, oh, I can't do it. or you know. And this doesn't say it has to touch a player by of B. So it could be something that was muffed by the, so let's say we have a screen play, uh, quarterback throws it to the running back, he muffs it, um, and then uh, lineman, it comes at him, he can't like hit it back or bat it or anything either. It has to be touched by a team, uh, uh, the other team's player for him to touch it at all. Yeah, or if it hits off, again, weird plays, but a ball hits off the running running back's helmet, goes flying in the air, and sixty five thinks he's just going to knock it down so that it's you know incomplete. It's incomplete. Yeah. He can't come and bat that to knock it down. Yeah, that's considered illegal touching of the microphone. I just jammed <laughs> the microphone. All right. See what we do with that in the editing process. Um, and that's it, right? For 13, we've just got the summary of fouls that can occur during forward pass plays and their penalties and enforcement spots. Yeah, so uh, a couple of unique things to cover here. Uh, you know, with illegal forward passes, uh, those are, you know, five-yard penalties and you get lost down if there's some other things that come with it. I think we talked about those during the rule. The goofiest thing that, I guess, again, this is something unique to high school versus the other two codes, you could have a five-yard out and have a uh, defensive pass interference, you're going to get 15 yards for that. It's it's not a spot foul. Uh, there's not the in college. There's some things where it's like if it's shorter than 15, you go to the spot. If it's longer, 15 is the most. In high school, it could be a two yard uh, defensive pass interference. It's going to go 15 yards. Um, well, or 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 this, you know, it's it's fourth and or fourth and 40, right? And then all of a sudden, there's pass interference on a long fade, and everybody says, oh! First down, spot foul right there. That's what happens in the NFL. Nope, it's now it's uh, fourth and twenty-five. Well, and worse than that, there's no automatic first down. So yeah, other two codes, I mean. if you do that, hey, great, we'll go fifteen yards and you get a first down. This is going to be now fourth and twenty-five. So that that I mean, we'll get into some goofy things in uh, in enforcement. The other thing that can be really really weird with this and not having an automatic first down. Let's just say I'm getting close to my goal line. I'm at my twenty. And it's, you know, first and, well, let's just say it's first, let's just say it's second and uh, 15. So the first down's at the five-yard line. I get a pass interference foul. Uh, I'm going to go half the distance, but since there's no automatic first down, it's going to be second and five and not, you know, first and goal. There's some really weird, I shouldn't say weird, high school football is one of the, the most plain and direct way of doing all these fouls. There's not these exceptions and unique things for this type of play, but it gets weird with half, half the yardage and not having automatic first downs for sure. Because yeah. then you do another one and you're at the you're at the seven and a half. And a half it's yeah. not first down. Yeah. And then you get to the six and a quarter. And yeah, yeah, no. There's a couple loopholes, but it, it, again, it does make it simple for a lot of things. Um, and then again, you know, probably as a crew, somebody should know all of the loss of downs, right? Um, just having on either a sheet of paper, a little cheat sheet, I don't know if 
technically you're allowed to do that. I've got one. I always have one. Is the back judge, nobody's looking at me. I can always just peek into my little cheat sheet in my little holder and see what's going on. But uh, loss of downs, it's always good to know which uh, penalties carry a loss of down. So Yeah, and that last one we talked about with linemen touching it uh, yeah. or maybe a player has been out of bounds who's you know, legal touching, um, having that loss of down as a part of that foul is an important thing to know. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, and, you know, they knocked it down. They're not going to replay that down. The play essentially over. So logically it makes sense, but it's an easy one to bungle up. All right, Luke, that's the end of seven. That's kind of a long one, but we're finally getting into the fun stuff. So we'll uh, pick it up again next time with Rule 8. Thanks for listening. Take care. Well, you're at the game, and it's Friday night, and you want to make sure that the calls are right. This is high school football rules. There's a hole in a fumble and an illegal pass. Now, what do you do? Because you're the ref. Well, this is high school football rules. Well, sit on down and kick right back. You're going to listen to Luke and Matt. They're talking high school football. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at HSFR Podcast. Twitter at HSFR Podcast. Or email us at highschoolfootballrules at gmail.com. That's highschoolfootballrules at gmail.com.